So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Swart, and today we have uh, personal trainer, strength coach extraordinaire, Nick Barbas with us, and he is a really he has some really interesting philosophies on movement and how he really treats movement as a language and using uh, different strategies and different um, uh, disciplines to really be able to teach that um, through that through, teach the movement through that lens. Uh, he's a coach over at Smugs Fitness. Uh, and I'm really excited to get him on the, on the episode here. So, uh, Nick, man, without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course, man. So, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show, and you brought up something really interesting that I'd like to dig into a little bit more. Um, before we get into that, though, tell us about yourself. Who are you, man? Absolutely. So, my name's Nick. I um, grew up in Roswell, so about 30, 45 minutes north of Atlanta. Um I grew up doing martial arts. That was the first thing that I was in. I did a lot of other sports as well, from horseback riding, tennis, basketball, uh, hockey, a bunch of different sports. Soccer was my um, biggest one. But throughout all of that, I always did martial arts. And I always looked at all of those different things as um, just expressions and places where I could express my martial arts. So whenever I yeah. played soccer, I wasn't particularly very technical, but I was able to move relatively well especially whenever i was wrestling with someone on the ball i was able to push them off and so it just solidified that movement is movement mm -hmm. and that kind of led into that idea or the philosophy that movement is like a language it's just communication that's also a big thing that um is talked about in the martial arts community that i kind of grew up in mm -hmm. is um movement martial arts and boxing most of those combat sports are like a conversation one person says something the other person listens and responds and if you watch with a trained eye, semi-trained eye, you can actually see when one of the competitors is listening or isn't listening to what the other one is saying. Mm -hmm. um, and so I look at all of what I do in Smugs Fitness and with my personal training through that lens of you're just communicating with the world around you. That's what movement is, is a physical way to communicate with the world around you. And so I like to teach movement, not so much with hard and fast rules, but kind of as an exploratory way of speaking and communicating with the world around you dude that's awesome so then how do you put that into your training so like i think um i don't know oh first of all what type of uh, martial arts do you do uh so that's a very complicated question so <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah when i was like three i was put into taekwondo but that okay. studio closed down and then i started doing a martial art called taito which is located up in norcross or peachtree corners now it's on the corner of spalding and holcombridge road awesome place taito karate it's the best um, I have been doing that for about 20 years. Um, and so I 
do that. It looks kind of weird, kind of like capoeira is what a lot of people say it looks like, but it's not. It's a karate-based uh, movement okay. art. It's a karate-based martial art. I They taught us grappling as well, so I've done jiu-jitsu for a while. In college, mm -hmm. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I continue to do that today. And then in college, I also took up boxing and kickboxing. Um, I was actually the head coach of the boxing club in Dahlonega at the University of North Georgia, where I went to college. And oh, wow. So I do a bunch of different martial arts, which again, led to that idea of like, movement is movement. Everything is one thing. The only difference from one martial art to another, one movement practice to another is what rules you put on that to elicit the response that you want. So if I want someone to um, get better at a certain thing, this is a game that martial artists play a lot. Boxers will say, I'm not going to use my left hand this whole round. And they work mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Um, for lifting, it's like, okay, well, I want you to do a squat. Well, what is a squat? It's, we're going to add these stipulations. I want you to hold this kettlebell up by your chest and then bring it up and down off of the ground. You can do that as a deadlift. You can do that as a squat. It's really a movement problem that you have to solve, but you can yeah. use that to facilitate training in different um, environments or in different um, with different re uh, requirements for the movement itself. Yeah, dude, I think that's awesome. I think like, um, and I think, you know, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. I, I think like this whole idea of movement as a language is, is pretty um, profound in terms of like, you're right. It is just a way for us to interact with the environment around us, right? Like uh, over at Athletes Potential, we talk about um, how movement is like, everyone has their own like movement signature, right? Like everyone has their own like movement, John Hancock. Um, this whole idea of um, like this picture perfect squat, while there's variables to what we need to do, there's no like perfect way to do it, right? Like there's typically like exercises man-made at the end of the day, right? So Absolutely. Uh, it's not like there's this like hard and fast rule that if you can't do this and like you're not a human being like with normal like movement, like I don't know, it's weird, right? So like how can we yeah. you interact in the environment like you're talking about? Like how can we move in this world in a way that emulates what we're trying to look for? Absolutely. That um man, when I was first coming into personal training and I went to college for kinesiology, um, exercise science, um, I remember stressing out and panicking over my first uh strength and conditioning courses because yeah. I couldn't squat. I was like, the book says my knees can't pass my toes and my chest has to stay up. <sighs> and I have a very short torso and really long femurs. So yeah. that physically doesn't happen. It just <laughs> doesn't work. Cause I'd go like, I was like, Oh, I figured it out. I just bring my knees super wide and then I can stay upright. My coach was like, no, no. My professor was like, no, you got to bring your feet close together. Yeah. And it, everyone is different. And everyone, like you said, has that movement profile that's determined by, or that movement signature that's mm -hmm. determined by like who you saw moving growing up, what you did, and yeah. also like your anthropometry and like what is set, what physically works for your body and totally. your personality type. Um, and part yeah. of that also like ties in a lot. We do a lot of sports vision training here as well. Um, and so that, just like you said, that I'm just working on interacting with the environment in different ways and we can challenge that. That's what training is, is you just, here's a movement problem. How do we overcome this movement problem so that you can overcome it later in life or in yeah, totally. outside of the gym. And so what we can do is limit or challenge your vision in specific ways to elicit different responses um, physiologically in terms of the way that your body responds to the movement, but also in the way that your brain responds to the movement, because that's another really big um, aspect of physical training, right? Is getting your brain to actually work and adapt and um, all that memory is and like movement patterns are all just stored anatomical changes in your brain. Yeah, dude, for sure. And like, 
you know, like uh, even, even more simply, like, have you been injured? You know, <laughs> like, uh, have you like, have you squatted before? What do you, what does your personal life look like? You know, like all these things, like, do you sit a lot for work? Like, have you trained at all before? Right. Like what's your training age? All that stuff is going to impact your ability to move in like these like uh, sanctioned off like areas that we call like, what does a, a typical squat look like? Like, what does a typical deadlift look like? So um, yeah, I think you're spot on with all that. And it's interesting, like you brought up like using like uh, vision within training. Like, w- what is that exactly? Because I know you guys do a lot with the company called Sports Psych, right? Um, yes. And you bring that in house. Uh, first of all, what is that? And then do you use that uh, in your typical training protocols? So Sports Psych is our sports vision company. We work with a wide variety of people. I work with anyone from... Um, high level boxers to, I have clients who suffer from different, um, autoimmune diseases that attack their brains. So we work on building up their capacity to function, uh, mentally with our sports site training, because it's a very easy way to target specifically the brain. Um, we also run concussion protocol testing and a bunch of different performance training markers. We don't necessarily do it with, um, every single client. That's something that you kind of have to opt into depending on what you do and what you're looking for. It's awesome and absolutely beneficial for everybody from people who just like to go to work in the morning or who spend too much time on the computer to kids who run up in sports. Um, Mm -hmm. So the main thing that we look at is there's no such thing as hand-eye coordination, right? Because your hands don't give your eyes any information, your hands, like you have proprioceptive information and tactile information, but your eyes see what's happening. Your Mm -hmm. brain decides what to do in relation to what's happening. And then your brain tells your hands what to do. So it's eye hand coordination training. Mm. So we look at everything kind of from that perspective of, um, we're going to train your eyes so that we can increase your peripheral awareness. So just because you can see something in your peripheral vision doesn't necessarily mean you're aware of it. It's kind of, you can think of it like if your keys are on the table and you're looking at the table and you don't see your keys, right. um, we can train your ability to be aware of something, which is important in football. If you're a wide receiver, you have to be aware that the defender is about to tackle you while you're trying to catch the ball and your eyes are on the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's valid when you're crossing the street. And if you're aware of the car half a second sooner, that's the difference between getting hit and not getting hit and stopping. Yeah. Um, we can train your depth perception capacity, which involves movement. We can train your visual acuity to make sure that your brain is lining up the vision correctly. And we can also do different concussion protocols to screen based on um, any brain damage that you might have accumulated throughout your um, life. Yeah, I think like, yeah, you know, I think that's a really interesting concept with like, um, or not concept, but just like different way of training, right? Like, um, or just the idea that you can train your vision you know like mm-hmm. uh because don't forget like your eyes like they they don't move on their own or like they're not like uh they move with muscles right like muscles surround mm-hmm. your eyeballs to help them move and, and interact with the world and and uh vision is one of our main ways that we do like not just interact with the world but maintain balance and get feedback from the environment right like it's a very heavy sensory uh input for our body then like the only the, to further drive that point home like if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get an impact of how important your vision is, uh, stand on one foot, especially, especially do this, like make sure there's somebody by you, but like stand on a pillow on one foot and close your eyes. Uh, you're going to, and, and then do that again with your eyes open and feel the difference there. The feedback that you get is insane. Talking about that. Yeah. We also, um, I have certain clients cause that's, 
where I have them specifically do that as part of their warm up is what we're going to do is you're going to stand on solid ground. We're going to close our eyes. And this is the next level up from standing up on one foot, right? Is stand with your feet solidly on the ground, close your eyes and turn your head. Mm. And that completely messes with a whole bunch of different things. And it shows you how important your eyes are, but it also gets a whole lot ready in terms of um, just balance, prepping you for a session of just movement to remove your eyes like that. But it also wakes up so many different things and highlights the importance of your eyes, just like you're saying. Totally, man. So then what do you guys do? Like, how do you, how do you train somebody's vision to get better? How do you improve their proprioceptive input or their peripheral uh, sensory uh, awareness? Like, what does that look like? Absolutely. So we have a couple of different tools. We have, um, I'm looking, I think we have five different technologies. Um, we have one that has an eye tracker. And so what we do is we play different games where it tracks your focal point, uh, where your eyes are looking on the screen and it will show different targets and different patterns. So there are a couple of different mo eye movement categories. You've got, um, Pursuits and saccades is the first one that I'm going to talk about right now. And pursuits is when you smoothly track across an object that's moving. And saccades mm -hmm. is when you skip from one object to another. So mm -hmm. we program this computer to track where your eyes are going and track how well you're able to follow an object on our screen. That gives us data based on how your brain functions, but also on where you're strong and where you're weak. Mm -hmm. um, different sports have different uh, importances or place different emphasis on different aspects of vision, right? So a football player is going to need way more peripheral awareness than a baseball player is, right? Sure. Just yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Um, just a different sport. Uh, yeah. So we can train that and we can make the targets smaller. So you have to pick up smaller aspects. We can make the targets move faster. We can measure how accurately you're able to look at the points. And all of this is, that specifically is partially training your coordination there but it's also training your the muscles in your eyes like you said to actually physically move as yeah. far as peripheral awareness we're training um again kind of coordination the way i like to think about it um and the easiest way that i found to think about it is thinking about it in terms of like calibration mm -hmm. so if you've ever had like a really old touchscreen thing that doesn't use now they use um like electron panels or whatever so that your the magnetic pulse of your finger disrupts the channel and they can tell where your finger is there. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a pressure sensitive thing. And so whenever okay. you turn it on, you touch each different point along the screen so that it kind of triangulates the sensors. I like to think about it as uh, calibration. So yeah. we'll have another piece of equipment called a reflection edge board. And mm -hmm. it's a large light board that is a touchscreen. And so you'll keep your eyes on one point on the board in the center, right at about your nose. And you'll have your two fingers touching the board at certain home buttons. And then lights will flash at different um, distances away from that center cross. And you have to react as quickly as you can to touch the new light and then return back to your home base, which gives us a, some data based on your mm. accuracy, your precision. So how well can you hit the target? how yeah. closely together is your grouping. And yeah. then we can also measure the speed that it takes or the amount of time it takes for you to react to the stimulus and the amount of time that it takes for you to actually complete the movement. And then the total time as well. So we have that for sports specific things. And so we can just train by making those targets smaller make them appear further away. And so you have to work your way and be aware further and further away 
Yeah. And so we worked through a couple of different things like that. That's awesome, man. And then do you guys like, uh, man, so that's a lot. And then, so will you get people like under different loads too? Like, will you have them do it like when they're fatigued out? Like, will you make them do that? Like during like an active recovery during their workout or like, um, do you integrate that in with your typical like strength training as well? Or is that something, or is it, is it typically, is it, or is it more like, uh, like speed work where it's better just to do all that, like completely rested and ready to work, ready to rock. So that depends. Um, one of the big things that we do at Smugs is we tailor everything to the individual. Cause like we were talking about earlier, um, a squat looks different for each person who's doing a squat and you have your own movement signature. Yep. So the demands for each person is very different. So if I have a boxer, they need to be able to perform under immense stress there. And also with very high consequences, if they misjudge the time, the location of a punch, they suffer physical bodily harm. Same with a football yeah. player, uh, with a baseball player, you strike out or you could get hit if you're, uh, hitting and the ball comes and hits you. Um, so it very much depends on the individual. Yeah. I tend to shift different drills for what we're working on. So one of my boxers is not great at um, being able to tell. It's not depth perception as much as convergence and divergence. So moving his eyes forwards and backwards along a, the same line. And so one of the things that we're working on there is we start off by doing a very static warm-up, And then yeah. I have him... I impair his vision with um, special glasses that remove information yeah. and then I'll throw a ball to him and he has to hit the ball out of the air. Mm -hmm. We also play a couple different things. And so I'll do that and then we'll do some rounds on the bag and then we'll go back to that and work on a couple different things so that he's working there. I have another client who, uh, like I said, has an autoimmune disease that is attacking their brain. And with okay. them, I tend to have them do most or all of their sports vision training at the beginning or end of the workout and mm -hmm. then uh strength training separately because we're working on two different not different two tasks. different facets yeah it's two different tasks they don't need to be able to perform their visual skills in nearly the same state of stress but mm -hmm. we will use that as an opportunity to progress whatever training that we're working on yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. And then, um, okay. So then how, uh, what type of progress do you see with this and how quick does it happen? Uh, it depends on the person. So we have a couple different technologies. We have some where we will send them home with, uh, homework that they can do that. We can see progress within six weeks. Um, some of those things pretty quickly. Um, the glasses specifically, we will see acute progress right then and there. So what we'll do is, uh, one of my favorite drills to do with this person is I'll take a tennis ball, yeah. I have a couple different colors on the tennis balls or different color balls, and I'll throw one to him. And I say, all right, if it's red, I want you to hit it with your right hand. If it's blue, yeah. I want you to hit it with your left. Ooh. We do it yeah. at first. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's extra levels, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we'll throw the red and he'll miss a little bit. We'll throw the blue. He'll miss a little bit. And we put the glasses on. He continues mm -hmm. to miss. I don't change anything. We take the glasses off and he hits every time. Really? Um, yeah. And those effects will last acutely for a day or two. Mm -hmm. um, that's our Rutherford, our Roomba. Um, sorry about that. Uh, and then chronically, as you do that more and more, the results stick around longer. And one of the testimonials that we've gotten from the boxer specifically is that they feel more comfortable in the ring 
trusting their eyes and they're not getting hit as much because they're not, they, they trust their eyes. And when they see something, they react to it faster. Yeah. Uh, part of it, there's, it's kind of an S shaped progression because just like with any movement or any language, right? The first couple things that you learn are very quick. So yeah. as you learn the demands of the specific task, you learn really quickly how to do it and you learn some strategies on how to do it. And then progress will even out a little bit. And that's when you start making physiological change and that we can see progress um, fairly quickly. Again, we see a lot within six, six weeks, we see a lot of actual changes to the way that your people's eyes work. Man, that's wild. So that, do you typically see like, uh, will you see like improved vision with this stuff too? Or is it just like, or is it, or are we working purely on like your, your body's ability to adjust to uh, input that is, that it's getting? I would say that it's more your body's ability to adjust to the input that it's getting. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can do this instead of LASIK. That's not how this works. <laughs> That's um, where my mind was going. That's what I was hoping yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I feel like that'd be a much better marketing tactic for us, but yeah. uh, no. So it's, it's more your body's ability. There are certain things we can train your ability, your visual acuity. So we can train your ability to pick up the information and make more educated decisions based on picking up more information, yeah. but we're not going to make, we're not going to change 2020 to, or whatever, get you to 2020 vision with this. We're going to change the way that your, your, the way that your eyes are moving and the way that your brain is processing that information. I got you. I got you. That's awesome, man. So then, yeah. um, that's super cool tech. And like, I think what's, what's really unique about that is, is you guys are one of the only people in the entire state of Georgia, really, I believe that have this technology and equipment that they can use, right? I believe we're the only uh, company that has it available to public use. I think there's one more of some of our, some of our technology is hyper limited. And I think there's only one other in the state. And I think that's owned. I'm not sure who owns that, but I know it's a, like a person has it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, we have, we're, where yeah we're, you're the we're guys the yeah yeah we're you're the, guys. the place yeah 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 <laughs> exactly awesome. yeah dude that's great so then um okay so then switching gears back to like your your training philosophy so we know that you um are incredibly diverse in your skill set with not just martial arts but your understanding of movement patterns and strategies and how you interact and how you use movement to better interact, interact with the world um as well as how do you better improve your nervous system which i think is uh, something that's really unique about what you guys do over there. Like you really work hard to not just improve people's uh, physical capabilities, but their neural capabilities too. Cause like make no mistake about it. Like when we're talking about interacting with your vision, like, and your visions and your eyeballs response to things like, yes, there's a muscular component to that. But a lot of that is also uh, interacting with your nervous system and your cognitive speed and development. So um, that's so cool that you guys do both of that. And then but talking about the movement practice of what you do, like how do you typically like to train? Do you like to use kettlebells? Do you like to use barbells? Do you like to use everything? Like what's your training strategy uh, or personality like when somebody comes in and works with you? So for someone who's coming in to work with me, it's a little bit different than the way that I train because again, we're going to be different people. Mm -hmm. um, we have a kettlebell on our logo because yep. we do a lot of kettlebell work and kettlebells are cool. Yeah. However, we're very firm believers that tools are tools and uh, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So yeah. uh, the main benefit of kettlebells is the ballistic uh, response, which is going to be um, 
utilizing your muscles, elastic potential energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also a neurological component there, uh, like we were talking about. Um, but they're also incredibly portable, which Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest reasons why we like kettlebells. We like to teach people kettlebells, especially for me personally. I like to look at myself less as just a trainer and more as like an educator. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. The way that I run all of my, uh, personal training clients is I have a sheet, um, I'm assuming you're familiar with the FMS, but for people who aren't familiar with the FMS, uh, the FMS is a functional movement screen and there's a list of seven movements. I believe it's seven. I think is ankles eight or is ankles seven. Um, there's seven or eight different movements. Um, and they're scored on a scale of zero to three, a zero means that there's pain with the movement. A one means that the movement is limited Two is within a certain range. And then a three means that you're above a certain range. And, uh, the way that it was taught to me is that there's a potential for hypermobility. So yeah. I want to keep an eye on that. Um, I took that philosophy and idea and I added on, I made up a list of skills that I would like to have all of my clients able to do. And yeah. I shifted it to a zero is they can't do it. A one is they don't know it. A two is they need cueing. And a three mm. is if I tell them to do this thing and left the room and came back, I would not be worried and I could program it for them at home. I love that. So yeah. I have a set of movements that I use for um, mobility, body weight, kettlebell and barbell movements. And then from there, you can build out whatever you want because you've got a bunch of different sets of tools that you can use to address different goals or different limitations. Um, and so I just build out a movement menu and a kind of like a movement language that allows you to interface with whatever you want to hit and whatever you want to get. Yeah. And I build out teaching my clients how their body does each one of those movements the most effectively, which is generally through, I don't like to coach, um, with very specific cues. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say like, you need to do exactly this. Mm -hmm. I will instead say, how about you try this on your next set? My first set, I'll demonstrate and I'll give a couple tips of like, try to focus on your weight here. Yeah. Uh, and then afterwards I'll say, hey, instead of do this, I say, hey, try this and see how this feels. And then it's an educated way of moving through each movement and getting acquainted with the way that your body likes to do each movement. Yeah, man, for 100%. And I think like, I think what's uh, one, I love how you change like the scoring there. Like, and, and it makes a lot more sense the way you, the way you talk about it. Like, uh, but also, um, it's super important. I think like, so I love the FMS, like you need to have some, I think what the FMS is really good for and like mobility while one Oh two and like all these different things is like all these different movement, uh, scoring frameworks is that they're just that they give you a nice framework to organize your thoughts around. Right. Um, exactly. But after getting enough reps in that, you start to notice trends, patterns, and, um, flaws with that. And there's flaws with everything. Right. But, and so like mm-hmm. it's, it's, and your expertise and like, just getting reps and there's such a difference between like experience and exposure. So like, just cause you have exposure to something doesn't mean you have uh, experience within something. Right. So I'm getting that experience of knowing what that FMS or mobility water, whatever framework you're using is and how it grades people is important. And, uh, but one of the big things that I have, a, or one of the big issues I have with those, uh, is exactly what we kind of talked about. Like, um, if I give you the appropriate cueing, like, can you get it done? Like some, some of them are just so like novel and the movements that they have you do, like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. like they, they might like quote, quote, fail that movement pattern. But really, if you just tell them what you're looking for and you hit say, okay, I want you to do this and do it again. Right. Then like, they're probably going to get it. So like, it's the same thing goes over to training though. Right. Like when people squat and maybe they, or squats, like an easy thing that we talked about, it could be a push up, Right. Or like mm-hmm. whatever. Right. They go to do a movement 
and maybe they haven't done it in a long time or maybe ever right or uh they've had the wrong and like they just and like you got to give them time to feel the movement out you know versus so, like jumping in and queuing a cr- like crazy so talking so, about that a little bit like one all like you said all models are false but some models are useful, right? Totally. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of the way I look at it. And I like to teach this. I, um, this is going back to the martial arts thing. I love Mr. Miyagi. He's super cool. Love him <laughs> to death. Yeah. Uh, so I like to kind of teach my clients that way a little bit. So it's like a Turkish get up, which is a super complicated movement. There's a whole bunch of steps. Uh, the way I like to look at it and explain it is it's almost like a martial arts form, but mm-hmm. for weightlifting. Yeah. Um, and I do not teach the Turkish get up as a step-by-step thing. My yeah. clients, I have, I have a set template where I teach them each skill of the Turkish getup without even saying like, this is a Turkish getup. And then the last day I'm like, we're putting all this together. Now you're doing a Turkish getup. And what I've found with that is again, it all comes down to you apply challenges. And once you apply Mm -hmm. those challenges, that is you apply a challenge that your body has to figure out how to overcome. And if you apply the correct challenge, you'll get the correct output. So one of the things that I'm going to kind of go off for a second, if you look at different martial arts schools um, in Muay Thai, they stand up very tall with their hands up high. They don't worry about punches. They're very heavy on their back foot and they will rip kicks into each other. Yeah. But then if you look at boxing, they sit down low with their feet super wide apart. And Mm -hmm. the difference is Muay Thai highlighted the importance of kicks, knees, and elbow strikes and boxing it's punches and head movement. Yeah. If a boxer were to sit down with a Muay Thai fighter, they were, it would, a Muay Thai fighter would, in a Muay Thai rules, a Muay Thai fighter would destroy the boxer. But if you put yeah. a Muay Thai fighter in boxer rules, the boxer will destroy the Muay Thai fighter. The boxers yeah. hit harder than anyone else with their hands. Muay Thai fighters hit harder than anyone else with their feet. Yeah. So what I've been doing is applying this challenge. I'll have them lay down and stand up. That's the first thing for the first like two days. Then the yeah. second day, or the third day, I will give them a club, like a, mm-hmm. a Jora club or an Indian club, and yep. I'll hand it to them. And I say, I want you to keep this pointed at the ceiling and only hold on to it with one hand. And since I've started implementing this teaching method, without fail, I've had every single person do some form of a Turkish getup without me telling them what a Turkish getup is at all. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so like after I do that, then uh, we do a couple specific key drills. And then I give them a kettlebell and I say, all right, now we're going to do a Turkish get up. And they go, I can't do it. And I say, well, you've done it like five times. <laughs> yeah. You've been doing it, bro. Like, uh, yeah, dude, that's awesome. I think like, well, and what's great about that too, is you're letting people explore their movements, right? Like you're letting them like figure out what it feels like to get up off the ground when really that's the, that's what we're training, right? We're not, we are training like a, a I guess a movement called a Turkish get up, but like, I just want you to be able to get up off the floor effectively with some weight in your hands, <laughs> you know, like exactly. And, and that's super important. And I, and I love that too, because you can take that same philosophy and apply it to a bunch of different populations, right? Like, because of who, like, man, if you can get somebody over the age of 70 to do a Turkish get up, right? Or like, how much, like, now you're talking about not just improving somebody's strength, uh, but you're improving their like longevity. You're improving their ability to, um, or their independence, right? Like, um, yeah, go ahead. What you got? You're, yeah, you're improving their independence on multiple levels. One, getting up and down off of the ground is a key indicator in life expectancy. If you can't get up totally. and down off the ground, your life is at risk. But yep. the other thing too that you're improving there is with this exploratory movement, you're building out a framework. So one of the things that I've been looking at a lot is, like you said, exercise is man-made. Yeah. All of this stuff is man-made. We mm-hmm. thought like people thought squats are bad for your knees for the longest time. They're not. Yeah. 
Um, we thought that you had to move with a braced and neutral spine. Don't let your spine move. Like I'm sure at some point in your schooling, you did the like hinge to grab your toothbrush because you were like, I cannot <laughs> let my spine move. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. And it's not that, and it, it works with every population because it's a, it's, it's a system to abstract movements to work for each person. Cause the way that we concretely define movements doesn't work because there's so much individual variety. And so what the independence there that I'm looking for is the independence to have people be able to make educated decisions as they move through these different um, positions. So if someone sees some crazy thing on Instagram and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to try this movement. I, my first thought isn't to be like, no, we're not doing that. That's dumb. My first thought is to go, okay, well, let's break this down into the easiest steps and figure out how you can get to that movement. What are the requirements yeah. for us to like, there was um, like a meme going around of this person sitting in like a fetal position, resting on their elbow. Well, the requirements there, there's a lot of strength and a lot of balance yeah. and we can break down different ways to learn how to learn how to build movements. It's just like the way that children learn how to speak is you say the wrong thing a lot <laughs> in a safe yeah. environment where you're not yeah. going to get yelled at and totally. then you learn how to speak correctly. Totally, man. Um, yeah. And there's like so many parallels you can draw with that. Like a, a big one would be like financial, right? Like I want to be a millionaire. Cool. Well, let's break it down and how you get there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, like it, or, or like these really complex ideas, right. Or like these really like far off lofty goals. Like, Oh, I want to be able to, and that's, and that's true with fitness too. Like um, somebody wants to come in and be able to squat 500 pounds. Like, okay, um, well, here's how we're going to get there. Right. Or like, I want to be able to run an Ironman or do an Ironman. Right. Like, okay, well, here's what we need to get there. Or I want to, in your case, I want to be able to go into a boxing ring and not get smoked. Right. Like, okay, well, here's a, here's a way that we can get there. You know, like, uh, exactly. let's improve your vision a little bit. So dude, this has been great. I, you know, like I clearly like, uh, I think one of the biggest advantages that you bring to the table with uh, with your coaching and your training, um, and one of the reasons why I'm really I was really excited to get you on the podcast is like your creativity with your thought process, right? And your and that creativity is derived from mastery of principles. And so, like, uh, it's very it's very easy just to like tell, tell somebody just to like squat back parallel or or uh, or not, right? Or like, oh, you know what? It's actually better to go like. ATG, right? Or get your butt all the way. Well, maybe it kind of depends, right? And so it kind of and so and all that gets built based off of mastery of the of the foundations and the fundamentals, right? And it's very obvious that you've done that and you're continuously trying to push your training forward. And uh man, I love working with coaches just like you. So if somebody wanted to find out more information about you guys or or where you're at or how they can train with you, um, what would be the best route for them to be able to do so? Cool. Awesome. So yeah, the best route, uh, you can check out our website, uh, smugsfitness.com. Uh, you could shoot me an email for sure. Nick at smugsfitness.com is my email. If you want to shoot me an email, uh, super happy to interface and talk with anybody there. Uh, we also have a virtual program that you can check out on our website under programs, which kind of talks through a lot of that same philosophy of exploring movement and safely moving through that. If you're out of, uh, if you're not in Atlanta, you can definitely check that out. It's called the built to last program under the programs tab on our website. Um, I put all that together. You got a bunch of videos of me with long hair and a mustache. And I was saying, is the mustache there too? The mustache is there. It's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I saw Ted Lasso and was like, you know what? I need one of those. Um, sure. So yeah, that's the thing, man. Um, Absolutely. Got to bring him back. So Nick at Smokes Fitness, 
smugsfitness.com. Is that the website? Smugsfitness.com. That's the one. And then what about like, do you have a personal Instagram handle people could follow you with? I do. Yes, I have. I'm horrible at Instagram, but you can follow me at nick.barbas, I believe. And that's B-A-R-B-A-S. I'm pulling it up to double check because yeah. I'm on there all the time. Yeah. Nick.barbas. Perfect, man. Yeah. Well, Nick, dude, I, I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you hopping on the on uh, the podcast here. So, um, man, I'm looking forward to work with you in the future. And uh, guys, if you guys have, if you guys are looking for a coach or a trainer or a gym, um, Smugs is one of the best ones out there. And Nick is one of the reasons why. So um, thank you so much, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.